It's time for JT the Brick. Always, always great to be with the Brick. This is how you do radio in a professional sports town, and this hasn't been a professional sports town. It was just UNLV basketball for how many decades? Now you got the Raiders, and you got the Golden Knights. It's big boy radio. JT the Brick. Hey, JT, how you doing, man? My radio show's a little bit more intense. It gets a little bit more crazy. It gets a little bit more emotional. It's Big Boy Radio. And now, here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT, and welcome to Draft Week. The NFL is here in Vegas, and we got a flagship, Raider Nation Radio. 9.20 a.m. What a week it's going to be. Fantastic week lined up, and we're thrilled to be able to have this iconic, iconic opportunity here in Las Vegas, I emceed the flip. We flipped the switch, the lights to silver and black at the iconic Vegas sign this morning where about 75 to 80 Raider staff were there. The owner, Mark Davis, county commissioners were there. It was a great day. One of the coolest MC events I've had with the Raiders, and I've had some great ones. Really enjoyed being on that, that part of the strip in front of that iconic sign today as we kicked it off. On Monday, and as you drive by the Las Vegas sign, all week long, the sign will be silver and black, and that's really cool. Mark Davis was really happy with the ceremonial switch as he flipped it, and a lot of Raider staff who I've known for a year or less, and some I've known for 20 years, were all down there today. The president, Dan Vantrelli, spoke a couple of dignitaries there, pretty good photo op. It was a cool, cool morning. Brought my wife out there this morning, and it was just nice. Not too hot, but the sun was out, and you looked down the strip when we drove out of there and said, man, we're going to remember this week, three years ago. And I've been looking at uh, some of my notes here and looking at some of my memories over the last couple of years, and what popped up today was really cool when we look back at the history of Las Vegas and all the great events that we've had here. There's been some really cool events that stayed with me. And one of the best events three years ago tonight was the 2019 Raiders Draft Party. The first time the Raiders had a draft as they were coming to Vegas on top of Dre's. And it was a night that I'll never forget. I'm looking at the pictures now. It was fantastic. The Raiders will have their draft party right back at Dre's Beach Club, nightclub. That'll be Thursday night. The best spot in all of Vegas for season ticket holders and suite holders. And we're going to anchor the draft coverage on radio right from there from 3 to 5 p.m along with Eric Allen and Jason Fitz, and we'll do that from 3 to 5. Other big event will be on Thursday from noon to 2. I'll be hosting this show from Cafe Americano. What a cool location. Thanks to Modelo. Modelo got us the best spot. We're right outside. It's inside, outside. Cafe Americano right at Caesars overlooking that crowd early in the day. So I I would suggest everybody get out early. Please come see us from noon to 2. Start your day early. The draft is in prime time at 5. Our radio coverage is all day. I think we got a pretty good spot. Bucket of Modelo's. We'll hang out courtesy of Modelo. We'll have a great remote. A couple of good guests lined up. Uh, later on that evening, Tim Brown, Charles Woodson will be our guest on the official Raiders draft party. And then I don't know what's going to happen. I got my Our Lads draft guide today in the mail. My wife brought it in. I said, please hand that to me. She gave it to me, and now I have my draft guide. Raiders don't have a pick until the third round, but the way this team has been stealth and what they've been doing, maybe they trade up into the first round or the second round. Last year, I told you on this air, I told you on this show, every day, and I was in a delicate situation, Mike Mayock was the GM. 
I know my lane. I always have known my lane. And I said the Raiders should do whatever they could to trade up and get Micah Parsons. How'd that work out? Raiders were at 17. What'd Micah Parsons go, 10 or 11? So the Raiders could have got in front of Dallas and got him. They could have. They would have had to give up something, probably another first-round pick. But can you imagine if the Raiders got Micah Parsons? And that was the name. That was the player that I was preaching last year only because the Raiders historically, they struggle recently with linebackers in free agency of the draft. I just thought he'd be the great player for them. This year, my opinion's not as strong because they don't have a first-round pick. So obviously I could pick an offensive lineman. I could pick a linebacker. We can go down that list. But after getting Devontae Adams, I don't think the Raiders have to go crazy and give up their future draft picks. That's why Dave Ziegler took the job, to rebuild the draft and his liking. He's got to have some picks. And they got Devontae Adams, so we only go third this time around. And I think everything's good with that. I talked to someone today about it and said this is the Devontae Adams draft where Raider fans should just kick back and, and party and hang out and have a good time on the strip like it's New Year's and thank Devontae Adams. Because there's no way Devontae Adams should have left Green Bay. More and more I think about it. What was he thinking? Well, he came to Vegas for the right reasons, Derek Carr, and he got paid. And the organization gave up draft equity to go get him. So we get that. But Devontae Adams left Green Bay, and it's a short-fired lock that if he stayed in Green Bay, they make the playoffs blindfolded, and then maybe they have the opportunity to win the Super Bowl. Here he comes here on a team that has taken a further step with the organization with Derek Carr, I think, to get Devontae Adams closer to a Super Bowl. Remember, Devontae didn't win a playoff game last year. They got beat after the bye week, and the Raiders didn't win a playoff game. They lost in Cincinnati, so I think Devontae Adams looked at this deal and said, yeah, I got just as good of a chance to get to the Super Bowl with my buddy, Derek Carr, than I do with Aaron Rodgers, who wanted all that, who wanted all that money. Monologue brought to you by PT's Best Happy Hour in Town. It's a gut punch to me that the Golden Knights lost last night. Cover of the Las Vegas Review-Journal, Shark Bitten. I've been watching hockey my entire life, dating back to when I was a young boy, living in Long Island, New York. The four years I went to high school from freshman to senior year, the Islanders won the Cup four in a row and I would go to those games and that was the team of my youth I've seen great hockey I know hockey what I saw last night on television was one of the greatest collapses I've ever seen with everything on the line there's been worse losses for the Golden Knights Montreal in the playoffs San Jose in the playoffs they've had worse losses but this one to me was an utter collapse of epic proportions I've always said this on my show, and for those who have been listening a while, you know this line. Whenever there's a great comeback, there's an equal or greater collapse, right? In in NBA, when a team's down 26 and they win. In college basketball, college football, team's down 20 points, they come back in the fourth quarter. There's a great win, but how do you rank the collapse? This was one of the greatest collapses in Golden Knight young history. And for those who say, well, it's a young team, they don't have a lot of history, I know that. I'm aware of all that. We're all aware of that. That doesn't make it any easier. It doesn't make it any easier. The drama surrounding this team. I have the newspaper from Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Saturday's paper says Leonard's status, same as it ever was. Knights insist goaltender remains available. Sunday's newspaper. Leonard practice, no show again. Today's uh, cover of the paper, Shark Bitten. Sharks 5, Golden 8, Knights 4 in a shootout. 
Leonard sits, watches as Knight's season hangs in the balance, and that's it. So it looks to be that they're eliminated. They need a miracle now. They have to beat Dallas tomorrow and hope that Dallas loses one of their final two games against Arizona in Anaheim, which is highly unlikely because Dallas is playing for their lives and the Golden Knights have to win out. Why am I leading with this after mentioning the draft today? Because we're a sports town. If I don't talk about this today, I got to wait another six months to talk about hockey. I can't do that. I live in Vegas. I'm a sports talk host. I have to talk sports every day, and I don't waste my time talking about minuscule sports that sometimes invade other shows for two hours. I won't talk about the Golden Knights once they get eliminated. They'll be done. I'll talk about them if they fire the coach, and we had the coach on the other day. Very commendable that he came on. If they make a big trade, we'll talk about them, and I'm a fan, so I want to talk about them. But what a gut punch this was. To give up a goal with one second from victory, that's pathetic. Mark Stone missed an open net, which is pathetic because he's too good of a player to miss an open net. He had the whole goal to shoot out. He had a clear shot. He hit the right side of the post, and then they came back and ended up winning the game. San Jose, who's the rival of this team. So look, teams lose all the time. This was an unbelievable collapse. I know I have listeners all over town who have been listening to my show for a long time. If you went to the game, if you have something you want to say, let me know. i got to put it in the monologue because I feel for Bobby, who runs the show, and he gets to cover the nights and, and run the games for another couple of months. He's on the verge of elimination. And everybody else here, all of our guests, everybody. i got to do a radio show every day, man. i got to do a radio show in June and in May when there's nothing going on other than hockey. And I kind of wanted this team to play, and I wanted to go to a game, and I wanted to go to Hyde, and I wanted to go to a game with my wife, two or three, and enjoy myself. And the team fell apart. The team fell apart. It's an organizational disgrace. From the way they mishandled the cap to the way they mishandled this goaltender, Robin Leonard, who could not be counted on. Through the way this team collapsed in front of their home fans, look, they mismanaged the cap. We know that. They wanted to get Jack Eichel. It cost them Mark Stone. Injuries clearly hurt this team. They were injured. But the season, due to injuries, number one, but secondly, underachievement. The multiple players on this team that underachieved that Bill Foley should consider letting go. I'm sure there's going to be executives let go, and maybe the head coach is going to let go because I think Mr. Foley, he can get pretty emotional in a good way. And if he wants to clean house after this, if they don't have a miracle and get into the playoffs, he probably will, and deservingly so. So I'm not throwing in the towel completely. They can have a miracle here. But the way they lost that game, you've got to go out of your way and collapse to lose a game like that. I use the C word about five times a year because I never play professional sports. So let me use it once. The Golden Knights choked last night. In sports... You can't use that word, the C word, a lot. Because if you do, you get used to it. And you just use it too much. Like people on radio that say like, like, like. Like how many times? Like how many times did Robin Leonard like not play like, like? You you don't want to get in bad habits on radio. And the issue becomes here, you don't want to say choke all the time when a team loses because you'll get used to saying that. This was an epic choke. Up 4-2 to and a complete collapse. And everybody should be accountable for this. And it's the biggest story. The draft is this week. It's not today. There's no bigger story in Vegas than the Knights' collapse. 
last night in front of their home fans in the last home game of the year. Just terrible. Here's Pacioretty giving him a 2-1 lead to get Pacioretty going, and he showed emotion. Vegas will settle it down and quickly come out. Up the right side, Pacioretty into the zone. He dips, goes to the middle, he scores! Oh, my goodness! Max Pacioretty, what a goal! Knights take a 2-1 lead. Pacioretty's 17th goal in his 36th game. Yeah, that was a big goal because you got to get Pacioretty going. If they win the game, you got Pacioretty hanging out with some momentum going into the final games here. Carrier scored right after 3-1. to one. It looked like Vegas had this game in hand. Barabanov comes in with Kolasar. Left side, back and cross. Carrier scores! Big smile for William Carrier. Knights three, Sharks one. Ten minutes to go in the second understand that the Sharks have nothing to play for other than the fact that they're hockey players and hockey players play their ass off all the time they get hit in the face with the puck and get stitches and they don't do a Ben Simmons and say I'm not available to play basketball they go get stitched up and they come back every hockey player who takes the ice plays for their life and we learned that from San Jose they wanted to beat their former coach Pete DeBoer they wanted to knock the Knights out of the playoffs they were highly motivated to get it done. Let's move forward to 4-2. to two. Ruat's goal here. This looked like this was the icing on a great night for the Golden Knights to win going away. Carlson in the trapezoid. Now Vlasic meets him. Centering try. Wah scores! Carlson to Wah. Mick goes upstairs. Knights lead 4-2. 13-25 left in the third. Beautiful goal by Wah, and they're up, and now all they got to do is hold on and win, and that's what the problem was. After that, they played tentative, and all of a sudden, here comes San Jose. San Jose with everything, everything left in the tank, playing for the end of the season. They get this goal to knock it to one. Sharks dump it in with two and a quarter to go in the third. Reimer goes to the bench. Stone tried to tip it out, couldn't get it to the point, and a shot from the point goes into the goal. It's Timo Meyer, and the Sharks are back within one. Yeah, that's it. You got a goaltender in Robin Leonard reportedly upset with the criticism he faced as well as being pulled the game before. He told the Knights he's shutting it down to have season-ending surgery. So he's an absolute head case when it comes to this situation and what he was brought in to do. It's unfortunate. This is a disaster move with Robin Leonard. I've been very kind. I've, 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 I've stayed on the fence with this one. Out of respect, the Golden Knights were flagship. We're partners here. I love what the Golden Knights do, and I've proven I'm a fan. I'm proven I'm a fan of this team. But this was a collapse. Here's the goal that tied it up with less than one second to go, which is one of the biggest collapses in the history of this young franchise. Puck out of the zone. Petrangelo back to his own line with half a minute to go. Vegas leads by a goal, and Carlson, they get his stick slashed out of his hands. There is no call on that. Carlson gets his stick back. Sharks into the zone. Petrangelo knocks it into the corner. A centering pass. That just misses. How do the officials not call that? I know it's the end of the game, but holy cow. Here's Meyer's shot. Blocked by a sprawling McNabb. And he uses his right leg to prevent it from going to the middle. Point shot goes wide. Rebound. They score at the horn. It will count. The Sharks have tied it 4-4. They score at the horn. you got to be kidding me. No one can clear the puck. No one can get the hell in front of the net. No one can save Logan Thompson. Nobody can do anything there. 
Even Eichel sat there. I went back and reviewed it a few times, and Eichel was sitting there like a statue out in front, and they end up tying the game. And right at that moment, you knew they were going to lose the game. Right at that moment. I mean, if anybody thought they were going to win the game after that, you're nuts. Because they, you want to talk about a collapse. When a collapse happens, there's got to be an enduring memory at the end of it. Let's go to the shootout after no goals in overtime. Here's how the Sharks win it. The rookie, Thomas Bortolo, can win it right here in his fifth NHL game. He works to the slot. He waits. He scores! Thomas Bortolo wins it in a shootout for the Sharks. 5-4 here at T-Mobile Arena. Dan Duva on all the calls there. For Mark Stone, the captain of this team, this is on him. He's the captain of a team that collapsed in a game that they had to win. Everything fell apart late. Kind of turned it over a little bit. Um, I missed the net, uh, the empty net to seal it. Um, I don't think really anything got away from us. I think it was just missed opportunities. Uh, game's over if I put that in, so it's tough, tough for me to... Uh, look back and, and say we did a ton wrong uh, we just have to close out games and can't allow two goals in the last two minutes and when you get the opportunities you, you got to finish them so um, it's a tough one to, to swallow for me um, I got to jump up and uh, uh, try and lead this team back to, uh, to the playoffs and um, yeah we need help but if we win our next three games like I said you never know what can happen so uh, I'm to get back on the saddle and um, try and get this group energized for uh, for Tuesday night in Dallas because um, if we lose that one, um, you guys know the uh, what happens if we lose that one. Yeah, we all know. We all know that the Knights are in this position. This is an incredible Vegas hockey story. So much on the line for the economy, for the restaurants, the bars, travel, everything. That's why I care so much about it. Max Pacioretty knows. I mean, this is a team that had an opportunity to do something special this year, and now their backs are completely up against the wall. Well, there's no choice now. We have to find the confidence, even if it's not there individually. Every every person has to find that confidence. And uh, I thought, you know, we played a strong game there up until we let two in, and uh, that's on that's on everybody. And and we got to know that uh, we're capable of winning those games, closing out those games, and no matter who we're playing against. We knew that that team was hungry over there, and to try and uh, make our season a little bit more difficult on us. And um, you know, it's not going to be easy here these last three games. We've got to play right till the very end and, and uh, give ourselves a chance. Such a good hockey team. Such a good group of guys. Just disappointing. You know, Vegas' hockey team going up against San Jose in the Bay Area, a rivalry team that, again, had nothing to play for, and they put Vegas out. And Peter DeBoer, former head coach of the Sharks, I mean, he was in shock last night. He couldn't believe this collapse. Yeah, I don't know. You know, it was one of those games, uh, and we were, we weren't cheating for offense. There wasn't people behind us. It was uh, they threw some pucks to the net, you know, and and uh, got some bounces. Um, you know, it's a it's a tough way to lose a point after we put in quite a bit of hard work, uh, but we got no time to sit and worry about it. You you hope that uh, it doesn't cost us a playoff spot. Uh, you know, if it does, uh, that's a tough one to, to sleep on all summer. But, uh, you know, I'm going to look at the glass half full here. And we found a way to get a point, And hopefully that, that point we got, uh, you know, is the difference between us making it or not. 
Yeah, it's an interesting way of looking at it. So, again, I put that here in the monologue. We're brought to you by PT's, best happy hour in town, 5 to 7, midnight to 2. PT's is a proud partner with the Vegas Golden Knight. We got partnerships with a flagship station. We got partners we do business with. We want them to win. But I can't do a radio show if I'm going to sit here and be soft and tell you everything's going to be okay and get everybody a cup of cocoa and a warm blanket and say it's going to be fine. I mean, come on. You got to call it the way you see it here, and that was a collapse of epic proportion. So I put that in the monologue here to start it off, and I'm moving on. If they get a miracle and they beat Dallas, they should be. If they beat Dallas, then everything gets hyped up again with the NFL draft, and we got a reason to watch the Golden Knights. The question is, do they get on the plane and do they play Dallas, and do they show tremendous heart the way Denver did down three nothing to Golden State? And the Denver Nuggets came out at home. They're not going to win the series. They got no chance to win the series, but they won a game. Let's see if the Golden Knights are able to do that. Really disappointed. I was on the air when it happened last night. I was texting Bobby, and we were just sitting here in shock that they could lose a game that way. Absolute shock that they could lose a game that way. And again, this town doesn't have many sports radio stations, and we're the one. We're the one that's got all of them. If we can't get people calling in, on hockey. Hockey's going to be fine here. Hockey's not going to be great on sports radio if we can't react to this. It's a sport that's great in Vegas. It's on the decline globally. More and more people don't talk about it. There's like channels for gambling talk where people don't know what the hell they're talking about, never want to bet. But we got a hockey team in town here. We got to talk about the loss and what it meant. Vince Sapienza will join us from Fox 5. He was at the game. He covers them along with the Raiders. We'll get into the Raiders draft and what happened at T-Mobile last night. I mean, I heard my wife scream. I'm in, the, I'm in my own studio, and I heard a scream. You know, i got to keep the dog quiet when you do a show in the house, and i got to keep the wife under control, and she screamed at the top of her lungs when they scored to tie it up 4-4. I was in shock. I mean, that is hard to do. You want to know why the word choke was invented? When you give up a goal at the buzzer, at the horn, to tie up a hockey game with your season on the line. That is an epic choke job, and everybody knows it. So I said it, you knew it, but I get paid to say stuff that you already know. 702-365-9200 as we get back to the draft and football. So what are your expectations this week? As Bobby and I were putting the show together, I was driving back from the Las Vegas sign. We're wondering out loud what you think this week's going to mean to you as a Raider fan. So that's really going to be the topic today. we got some draft guests coming up the next two days. I want to know what your expectations are for the Raiders in this draft. The third round pick, it's wide open now. We're on the clock. You don't have to give me the player. You don't know the player. You have no chance. You couldn't guess. It's like guessing a lightning strike from Summerlin to Deep Henderson. You don't know when it's going to hit. We don't know who the Raiders are going to get. But we, don't, we do know their needs. So if you'd like to give me the Raiders' biggest need in the draft and what you would like to see them do, don't name the player. Don't care about the player. Need to know exactly what you believe the Raiders need to do in the draft with the third and fourth round pick that you think can get a starter because we need a starter here. And I'm looking at the Our Lads draft guide that I just got. Here's what it says in the summary. It was a year to forget when it came to off-field matters. Head coach John Gruden agreed to part ways with the franchise. In October, after the email surfaced and wide receiver Henry Ruggs III was involved in a fatal car accident in November due to drunk driving. Despite the adversity, Derek Carr and interim head coach Rich Bisaccia led the team to the playoffs. Ownership cleaned house afterwards. 
to make way for head coach Josh McDaniels and general manager Dave Ziegler from New England. And the biggest need that they have here, believe it or not, in our lads is defensive line. And they went through all the list here, and they said nearly all of their 2021 contributors are currently free agents. And they went through the addition of Vernon Butler, Bilal Nichols. They were signed as backups and what they're doing. And then they jumped into the players that they have here, re-signing Jonathan Hankins. Solomon Thomas was signed by the Jets. Quentin Jefferson left for Seattle. Kendall Vickers did see some time as a backup role as he returns. So when they look at their needs here for the Raiders, clearly the biggest need for the Raiders, I think, is going to be offensive line. They have to find a way to get an offensive lineman who can start. That's hard to do. It's really hard to get an offensive line starter with the third-round pick, let alone the first-round pick. Look at Alex Leatherwood. Alex Leatherwood could have been benched at times as a first-round pick. So with all that happening here, all I care about from you this week is where are you partying, where are you partying, where are you drinking, where are you going to be, and secondly is what's the biggest need for the Raiders. And if the Raiders decide to do something really dramatic, like jump into the second round or the first round, we'll be on the air live to break it down. 702-365-9200. Here we go. My Monday, big week ahead, a week I've dreamed of when we found out the Raiders were coming here. The opportunity to get the Super Bowl, the NFL draft, the biggest concerts in the world, and an excuse for fans from all over the world to come here on a non-football game day. It's a great time to be in Las Vegas, and we're the flagship Raider Nation Radio. I'm, I'm really confident, you know. Like I said, I thought we played a, a good game today. I don't think we played a great game. Um, so, you know, we're, we're going to need to be great, and I think we've got another level we can get to here tomorrow uh, in Dallas. Well, they are running out of time. JT, back with you. Golden Knights, collapsing loss. Excuse me, collapsing loss last night. They get a point out of it, but they needed two points. They had to get two points, and they weren't able to do it, and that hurts because it hurts on their opportunity to try to shock the world and sneak in. And it's really disappointing for a team that, to me, always looks like an all-star team on paper, but didn't quite deliver this year. Vince Sapienza, sports reporter and anchor, does everything in town for Fox 5, a proud partner of the Raiders. And Vince, good to talk to you. We'll get to the draft in a bit, but you're, at the, you're in that press box and locker room more than anybody I know. Uh, what happened? What, what, what happened with that 4-2 lead why VGK couldn't put that game away. Well, hey, JT, great to talk to you. Uh, wish it was, you know, better news to talk about. But it's, uh, it's interesting. I was, I was talking to some of the fellow media guys up in the press box in about middle of the third period. And, you know, the gold Knights were up 3-2. to two. They made it 4-2. to two. And I looked at them, I go, I, I mean, it doesn't feel like they're up 4-2. to two. It's a very unspectacular kind of home regular season finale, yet they were getting the job done. And then all of a sudden, the Golden Knights just kind of reverted back to what they've been playing like the last couple weeks, and that's just gripping the sticks tight. They were playing not to lose as opposed to blowing out a rival, blowing out a, a, a team that didn't deserve to be on the same ice as them. And considering the stakes for the Golden Knights, just the, the attitude and the urgency 
just wasn't there. And that's just been a common theme we've seen all season. Yeah, there have been a lot of guys in and out of the lineup. But no matter who's in the lineup, the urgency is something that you can have on a consistent basis. And it's not something we've seen. Uh, and I think that reared its ugly head last night. I think the Golden Knights were playing not to lose instead of to win. Uh, I don't think they were uh, necessarily taking their foot off the gas. I just think they started playing different in those final five to six minutes. And San Jose came in saying, this is our biggest game of the year. And they played They played a full 60 minutes. They may not have the skill, the talent, or the firepower Vegas had, but they had the will and urgency and desperation in spades compared to the Golden Knights, which is shocking considering everything that Vegas has been through. They still had destiny in their hands, and they let their biggest rival with nothing to play for take it out of their hands. It's... Uh, it was as stunning a loss as I've ever seen, and it's you know poetry in motion when it comes to hockey because it was three years ago in two days that the Golden Knights suffered one of the worst, if not the worst, uh, yeah. collapse in NHL history in Game 7, Year 2 of the franchise, in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs when they blew that lead in the third period only to see them fall in overtime to the same San Jose Sharks at the SAP Center. I was in that building, and the contrast in terms of elation for Sharks fans and absolute just disappointment, gut-wrenching, gut-punch, it was not quite the same because the stakes were different for both teams, but in terms of the Golden Knights, it it felt pretty darn close. Vince Sapienza, wow, did he just sum that up brilliantly. So let's talk big picture with this team on why this has happened this year. Injuries, clearly, the cap issues, and goaltender, and Robin Leonard, and the drama that comes around having him in goal. He can play great. The Golden Knights wanted to go in a direction with him and not Marc-Andre Fleury. Logan Thompson is not supposed to play a lot if Leonard is healthy. What is the bigger issue with you? Is it injuries, the cap issue, or the goaltender position? Well, when you look at the season in its totality, it's, it has to be the injuries. The Golden Knights have had zero consistency. By the time the season's over, they're going to have over 500-plus man games lost due to injury. And for those that aren't aware, that's the number of games missed by players who would be in your lineup that are not due to injury. And for perspective, no NHL team in the league's history has ever seen a team make the playoffs with over 450 man game blocks in a season. So for the Golden Knights to be where they're at, considering their injuries, considering just the revolving door of a lineup, it's pretty incredible they are as close as they are. That being said, it is still a disappointment considering the team that has been iced in their lineup at T-Mobile Arena on the road for the past couple weeks. When you have a team of Mark Stone, Jack Eichel, Max Pacioretty, Shea Theodore, Alex Petrangelo as just your upfront guys, and you don't make the playoffs, it's going to be a disappointment. At the end of the day, the goaltending issue is and forever will be the, the Achilles heel of this team. If there's one thing you need at this time of year, JT, and we've talked about it a lot over the years, it's consistent goaltending. And I've never heard Pete DeBoer be more critical of a position or a player uh, in his tenure with the Golden Knights than he was after that New Jersey game when he said, at this time of year, we need our guy to be better than their guy in net. And that wasn't the case, specifically in that New Jersey game. 
And when you look at just the bizarre uh, weirdness, chaos, inconsistency in terms of communication with what's going on in net with Robin Leonard, it only adds fuel to the fire, especially with this fan base. Look, it doesn't matter if it's a, a Hall of Fame quarterback retiring and the next guy coming up after him or pick a position, pick a sport. It's always going to be a tough spot. But for this franchise, this young the highs that they experienced with Mark andre Fleury, whoever was going to be the next guy, was always going to have a tough go at it. And continue. And when you look at the circumstances of how Fleury was removed from this franchise because of a guy that, like Robin Leonard, through no fault of his own, the franchise went out and got him. They brokered a third team to make that trade with Chicago, many may remember, at the deadline to get him. It was then that this franchise made the decision that Robin Leonard was going to be the goaltender of the future. It wasn't during the Vesna season of Flurry. It wasn't them trying to push him out. It was when they made that trade at the deadline a couple years ago, just before the COVID pause. That's when they made the decision they were moving on from Flurry, or at least having a successor. Have they handled it well? Absolutely not. And it's rearing its ugly head now because Robin Leonard supposed to be the guy he was supposed to be the, the bell cow that was leading this team this time of year this late in the season into another stanley cup final run it didn't happen injuries are a big part of it but the inconsistent play has also been the biggest issue as of late and when you have that as that is your last taste in your mouth of inconsistent play it's going to be hard to forgive you vince sapiens a fox 5 sports reporter sports insider Longtime friend of mine. So I was with Mark Davis today as he ceremoniously flipped the switch and the Las Vegas iconic sign will be silver and black all week. You were with Mark Davis walking the ground of Allegiant Stadium when it was just dirt with a hard hat on. And we talked about that and all the events we bumped into each other at. Now it's the NFL draft. It's not a football game. The Super Bowl will have plenty of time to get to it, but the Raiders don't come here. And we don't pull this deal off. I mean, we, the whole community here in Clark County, there's no NFL draft. And I think it has an opportunity to be one of the biggest events in Vegas sports history. What are you looking forward to? Yeah, I mean, the contrast between what the Golden Knights this week, you know, a, a glum outlook on their, their season. And then you look at the absolute high of highs of sporting events that is coming to Vegas that's this week, that is here this week. And you're right. I remember talking to Mark Davis with those hard hats going through uh, the construction site at uh, Allegiant Stadium, what was then Las Vegas Stadium. And he goes, just wait, we're just getting started. And I remember talking to him at the, the home opener with fans at Allegiant Stadium. And he goes, this is just the beginning. And he, he couldn't have been more right. I mean, the spectacle that Las Vegas is going to put on, that is already putting on, I mean, just the spotlight is already feels as bright as can be. And it's only Monday. We've, we've barely passed noon. And uh, the fun has just yet to be done. So it, it's, it's hard to describe what this means for the city because everybody knows Las Vegas. Everybody, you know, Las Vegas isn't new to people. So it's hard to say that this event's going to put Las Vegas on the map. But in terms of how it's viewed, a sports capital, a sports mecca, this is going to be a place that everybody's going to flock to for all kinds of sports. And what Mark Davis, the Raiders, and this community has done to bring the NFL here only magnifies that 10, 100, 1,000 times fold 
And what we're going to see, some of the, you know, I call it the Instagram moments in terms of those scenic shots that you're going to see on draft night throughout the weekend, I think it's going to be really incredible, really powerful, and really lasting, not just for the community, but the sports community and, and the National Football League. And it's really only setting the table for what will be the Super Bowl uh, here in a, just a little bit. So it, it's uh, I got goosebumps just talking about it, JT. I could tell. Vince Sapiens, as we wrap it up, did you like – or I know you liked it. I think everybody's happy cars here on that extension, but were you surprised by the language of it? Not a lot of guaranteed money, but he should get it from year to year, and there's a lot of big money there as long as he's the quarterback of the team and he has a no-trade clause. When you looked at the contract and were there and the press conferences and all that, what was your takeaway from the car extension? I love it. I love it, and, and to be honest, it's, it's pretty much what I expected. Uh, you know, Derek Carr is a prove-it kind of guy, and, uh, you know, he doesn't need guarantees because – he himself, you know, guarantees a lot of himself. So I think he, he, as we both know, he's a confident guy. And I don't think not having those guarantees in the language and the contract was ever an issue. Uh, I, I think it's just another motivator for him that he just likes to put in his, in his pocket and just pull out on a rainy day and just use to get him fired up. I also think it's an extremely team-friendly deal considering, you know, the quarterback landscape throughout – the league right now you know there's there's some great ones and then there's some ones that teams are wishing they had a guy like Derek Carr so I think it's super team friendly I think it allows the organization a lot of flexibility in what they can and cannot do in terms of extending other guys I'm looking at a guy like Hunter Renfro and I don't think for a second that that contract was signed without Derek Carr having in mind that the organization have the funds possible to extend a guy like Hunter Renfro because Derek Carr knows what it takes and he needs guys around him, and he wants the guys he can trust. We heard it at the end of last year. He knows who he can go into the fight with and who he can't. And when he has that guy, he's going to stick with him and vouch for him and do whatever he can. So I think this is extremely team-friendly. I think Raider Nation should be over-the-moon ecstatic about it because of how it sets this organization up long-term as where as well as for this coming season, which I think is going to be a massive one for the silver and black. Vince, tell us about Fox 5's coverage, official partner, television partner of the silver and black. I can't imagine what that newsroom and sports department's like this week. Yeah, they're pumping uh, coffee and espresso into our veins <laughs> as we speak, JT. It's going to be a, a fun-filled week. Uh, every, every newscast, every hour of the day that you see Fox 5, we're going to have draft coverage. It officially begins Thursday at 5 a.m. with our draft coverage from our sports director, Kevin Bollinger, myself, are going to be live from the Raiders HQ as well as the draft experience uh, and uh, the main stage and bringing you every single news note and nugget up to the minute, up to the second, uh, at your at your beck and call. Whatever you need, we got it for you. Our coverage starts, again, officially 5 a.m. on Thursday, but our coverage has already begun this morning starting at 4 a.m. So anytime you need your uh, – News notes, nuggets on uh, NFL draft coverage from the Bellagio stage, the main stage, to Raiders HQ. Turn on Fox 5. We got you. Thanks, Vince. I'll see you all week. Thanks for doing this. Thanks, JT. Vince Sapienza. Appreciate him. He worked with me when he started off his career, and now he's uh, an icon here in Vegas, constantly working sports. 11 o'clock at night hits. 
in the afternoon. I'm really proud of our friendship. He's a good, good man, good family man, great husband, great dad, and a really good reporter. Appreciate that. He called into the show. Means you can call into the show. Should never have an open line on this show. But again, this isn't a show that's going to uh, let you rap for 20 minutes. Have something to say. Have something big to say. Follow what we're talking about. Or just sound off like you got a pair. 702-365-9200. This week is simple. I want to keep it simple for everybody so they can get their party on. Because I don't want to make it complex. I don't care about who's going to be there in the third round. We don't know who's going to be there. We got to know the need of the team. The team was very aggressive in the offseason. I mean, super aggressive when it came to bringing in Devontae Adams and Chandler Jones. That, to me, was the offseason. Then the finances of getting Max Crosby extended with Derek Carr. Holy cow, how big was that? So with all of that involved here, the Raiders were very active. I think they won the offseason. And that's a term that normally people make fun of a team when they do that. Well, you know, Jacksonville won the offseason. No, no, no. I get it. Sometimes teams have to go out and spend stupid money and bring in a lot of players because they're not very good. I thought the Raiders won the offseason because they got Chandler Jones, Devontae Adams, and they did extensions with Carr and Max Crosby. That's all done. That was all done, everybody, as we wait for the new season and the schedule to come out. Let's get this place going. There are fans in from all over the country, and they're listening to the Raider flagship. Let's be at our best all week. We're at Cafe Americano at Caesars, Draft Thursday from noon to 2, brought to you by Modelo. Upright, relaxed stance, tucks the left shoulder in as he cacks the bat over the right. The 1-1, ground ball, base hit in the right! Three thousand for Miguel Cabrera. Oh, what an incredible journey from a skinny 15-year-old discovered on the dusty fields of Morakai to an icon in Motown. Miguel Cabrera, the pride of Venezuela, has joined one of the most exclusive clubs containing the best hitters in baseball history, 3,000 hits. That's Tigers Radio on the call. JT, back with you. We are brought to you by M Resort Spa and Casino, a proud partner of this show. Friday night, I'm at M. Day two of the draft, night two of the draft from 6 to 8 p.m. Jacoby Ford, Darren McFadden, other Raider alumni will be there as an AMC event there. I love M. You know, we've been there for pre and post game. Uh, the Raiders Tavern and Grill, the official team hotel of the Silver and Black. So if you're looking for something on Friday night, that's a good spot from 6 to 8 p.m. I mean, I got a driver this weekend. I'm going around town. I got buddies in town. It's something I dreamed of. I, I love the draft. Okay, I love the draft. I love the geekiness of the draft and breaking down picks and all that. But I've never done New Year's Eve in Vegas on the Strip. And I love New Year's Eve. I like to be in a spot. It could be at the top of Palms. Palms is reopening this week. It could be anywhere. I've been away, you know, out of the country on New Year's, wherever it is. You know, they call this stuff amateur hour for some. I, I disagree. I think it's a great experience to make memories with your friends. And I'm, I, you, could, you would love this. I'm busting my, some of my buddies I'm busting their blanks by saying you're not coming out this week. I mean, this is a week to be out here. For those who don't like crowds, I get it. But when do you get to walk the strip? 
When do you get to grab a Modelo and walk up and down the strip and you don't got a cop saying, hey, put the beer down. Hey, get off the street, get to the side. You can have a fun time. Anybody who's been to Mardi Gras knows that. You walk up and down Bourbon Street, you have a good time. That's what this should be all about. A quick thing I wanted to say, and I've been waiting all weekend to tell you this. I am disgusted. I'm a diehard Yankee fan. I am disgusted by the behavior of my fans, my Yankee brothers and sisters in the Bronx on Saturday when the Cleveland Guardians, no longer the Indians, we could all get arrested by Twitter if we say Indians. We have to say Guardians. We can say Kansas City Chiefs and the Atlanta Braves, but we can't say Cleveland Indians. Whatever. So the Guardians go into New York. The Yankees come back. A play off the wall. The Yankee fans are yelling at the Cleveland players. Yankees win on a walk-off, and then it got really ugly. Winning run at second, two out in the ninth. Pitch. Swung on and lined to right center field. It is a base hit. Rounding third. Scoring kind of for Lepa. And the Yankees win the ball game with two in the bottom of the ninth. Ball game over. Yankees win. The Yankees win. The players are all coming off the field. I don't blame the Indians. The people have got to stop throwing things. They did it in left field and they did it in right field. And the Yankees went out there holding up their hands, holding up their arms and their hands like, stop, stop. So the Yankees are just coming off. You don't want to see that. That ruined a fabulous Yankee comeback. That's John Sterling on the Yankees Broadcasting Network. So I went on the air last night on my national show, and I said very quickly, I said everybody should call in and rip on the Yankees. And that's something I've never done in my career because I'm a Yankee fan. I'm usually just the opposite. I'm usually the guy you know, trying to tell you how great the Yankees are. So I just want to tell you how disgusted I was to see that behavior. And because I'm an expert on this topic because I've dealt with this in Oakland, for all the years where Oakland fans didn't do that, but people would say, well, the Raider fans, they're thugs. The Raider fans are angry. The Raider fans are fights. And I'd say, no. I said, no, I, I'm at the game. I'm at every game. I don't see it. Of course, you see Dodger fans fight Giant fans. Unbelievable fights in Anaheim. People died. An individual died in Anaheim in the parking lot. Brain dead to a coma in Los Angeles there. And I say to everybody when they ask me about Oakland, I'd say, Oakland had more cops than anywhere I've ever been to. Dead serious. And again, I'm from New York. OPD and the Sheriff's Department at Oakland Raider Games. If you were stupid enough to throw a punch or stupid enough to throw an object, you got arrested. So a lot of Oakland Raider fans got a bad rap because everybody thought by the way they dressed, they dressed in black, the way they looked, if they were intimidating. Yeah, the Raider fans are intimidating in Oakland if you're another team. But they didn't come up to people and punch them in the face or they didn't throw and rain down objects. Now, the last game of the year, all-time against Jacksonville when they lost, and people were ripping up chairs and they wanted to get bleacher seats, whatever that was, there was a truly isolated incident because they were never coming back to play football. But getting back to the Yankees, I was just so disappointed that their fans did it. And often you hear a broadcaster say, those aren't Yankee fans. Those aren't the real fans. No, they are. They are. If you're at a Raider game in L.A. and an L.A. or a Vegas Raider fan does something to hurt someone else, that's you. You're a fan of that team. That's a fan of your team. You can get lumped into that. So you always want to just protect your neighborhood and police your section. That's why they have security. And because of the cop situation in New York and the lack of funding, true story, 
There aren't as many Yankee cops inside the game. They're outside the gates. And that has an effect when all these hooligans are going crazy. There's no cops. So I want to bring that topic up today and how you deal with it as a Raider fan when you hear that about you. When you hear that your fans are this or that because there's an isolated incident, how do you handle it? What do you do in your section? It's one of the obvious things about Vegas. When the Raiders came to Vegas in a brand new stadium with a nightclub and all of this, you knew that there was going to be you know, a certain fan base that wasn't going to get into anything. There were more there for the photo op. And there's so many diehard Raider fans who are there that aren't into the photo op. They just want to win games. The Yankee fans went over the top, and there wasn't one or two of them. There were a bunch of them throwing objects on the field. I'd have no credibility if I didn't bring that up today. Just awful. Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame next. A big announcement.